Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I've got a really fantastic guest with us today, Tom Chase. We're both traveling, so kind of um, keep that in mind. But he's actually got a very fascinating story, um, kind of story of pivoting at the end of a corporate career. He's a co-founder and CEO. He's going to talk all about passive investments, real estate, um, equities, kind of the bread and butter topics for the audience. And I'm happy to have him on the show. So Tom, welcome. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're the co-founder and CEO of Affordable Housing Loans and the Passive Income Network. And so kind of you're in this bread and butter business where a lot of high-income professionals are interested in investments for passive income, for tax advantages um, and strategies. Talk about your backstory, your background, and we'll dive right into it. Okay, great. Well, you know, as a lot of things happen, we have pivotal moments in our life, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> So I had one of those pivotal moments in um, 2011 is when this started. Uh, I was still in corporate America. I was at you know, mid-high level management. And uh, it happened. We, My wife and I were on vacation and my phone rang. And I remember looking down and it was our executive VP. And I said, well, he knows I'm on vacation. This must be important. you know. <sighs> so he was calling me to let me know there was going to be an announcement the next day that our company had been purchased. And he um, he did that for a couple of reasons. He knew I had been through the same scenario twice before in, in 12 years. And he wanted to make sure I stuck around because there was going to be a transition period of about a year. So he wanted to make sure I stuck around for that. So he called me to let me know, didn't want me to be surprised and said, look, if you stick around and help us through this, we'll pay you a bonus. You know, I, I would have done it for him just because of him. I respected him that much. But that pivotal moment got me thinking, okay, I was at the point in life where, yeah, I could go somewhere else and, and get another job, but I was also at that age where a lot of people are going to look at me, why should I hire this guy? You know, I didn't want to relocate from beautiful Arizona where I live, you know, so so when my wife and I got home from that trip, we had one of those tough conversations around the dining room table. Uh-huh. You know, I won't go into all the detail. But basically it was, you know what, I'm too young to retire and we're not in the financial shape we need to be to retire the way we want. And the conversation was around that. And um, I had done some real estate investing, you know, small time landlord, owned a few rental homes, Uh, did not like the fact of being a landlord because of the cost and the associates and the 
the stopped up toilets and the air conditioning network <laughs> and the things like that you had to deal with. Um, so I got to thinking, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my career. And really, I would, in the whole real estate arena, the thing I liked the best was being the bank. In other words, uh-huh. when the toilet stops up or the air conditioning stops, they don't call the bank. <laughs> You're just the finance person. And I like that because it's income coming in every month and my investment is secured by a hard asset that if someone doesn't keep that promise to pay, we've got a hard asset. And so that led me into the business I'm in today. And that was 2012 when finally that year was over. We had the transition. Um, The company I've been with paid me to stay. They paid me a bonus. Then the other people paid me to leave. Uh, We started out in the business then. Uh, When I say we, I'm talking about me and my wife, but it's basically was me. And I, I like the fact of buying and investing in real estate notes, okay? And notes being promissory notes, basically. So when I, I started out, I wanted to tiptoe into it. And I started working with what's called hard money lenders. They, they, they lend to guys who buy homes and fix them up, rehab them, and resell them. So I was buying those loans short term and you know, giving a nice return on my money, you know, 10 to 12%. And I like that. So that led me, I won't go through the whole story, but led me into, I wanted to grow this business. I wanted to buy more more notes secured by real estate. But at some point you run out of your own money, right? And it happened to be that my first investor that came with me was my brother-in-law. We were out to dinner one night. He's like, what are you doing? And tell me about that. And how does it work? And when I told him, he said, wow, can I get in on this? (laughs) And so I started uh, working with other investors because people, people in my age group, the baby boomer group, there's been a a number of studies done by like Alliance Insurance Company, uh, Financial Advisor, uh, Yahoo Money, that most of us worry more about running out of money in retirement than we do about Dying, you know, and because a lot of us don't want to deal with the volatility of the stock market and things like that. So, and that's where I was, and I found a lot of my peers in my in in my uh, baby boomer group felt the same way. So we started getting more investors that came with us to start uh, investing in these kind of notes as yeah. things, you know, because I'm very conservative. I only stayed in my local market in Arizona. I wouldn't go buy something in a market in, say, Georgia that I knew nothing about the market, didn't have boots on the ground, but it got harder and harder to find good notes to buy. And when you're when you're buying a note somebody else is selling, you really got to do your due diligence because most people don't sell their best notes. <laughs> you know, so there's a reason. And I started thinking at that time, this was a 2016 timeframe. I started thinking about how do I think like a manufacturer, <laughs> create my own product instead of going and buying product. And at that time, I was a licensed mortgage loan originator. I am a licensed mortgage broker today, too. So I have those licenses back behind. And about the same time I was thinking about this, I bought my first 
note on a manufactured home that was in a community where you don't own the land. The loan is only on the home. They're called land leased communities. So the people pay lot rent and pay for the amenities in the community, but they own their own. And I really liked it that I could buy three or four notes for the same dollar I was buying a real estate note and I could get a little higher return. And I talked to some of my investors and they said, hey, this this looks really good and we like it too. So I did a lot of investigating into the industry, talking with some community owners, managers, finding out about the industry, about the business. And we discovered that in the lower tier at that time, like 60,000 and below, these homes were selling, there weren't a lot of lending options. And there's a couple of reasons. One, when you're down on those small numbers, if you use a traditional lender's model with points and fees, you just can't make enough money. Okay. Um, so we said, look, there's a market here that's not being served well. So let's let's figure out a way to serve this market. Our investors like it. We could serve our investors better. And the communities had a lot of these homes sitting, not sold, which they weren't getting revenue for their lot rent. So, so it was kind of a win-win-win. So we started the company, Affordable Housing Loans, to lend in that business, focus on that niche market. And the Passive Income Network is, is the funding arm and the secondary market for the notes that we create. In the, in the world of real estate notes, most of the time people originate those loans and they sell them off to a large investor. That's their secondary market. Well. There is no real secondary market for ours. So we built that secondary market ourselves through the Passive Income Network. And um, you know, we've now been in business six years. Um, we've built a, a great reputation. Today, we do business in Arizona and Nevada. Um, we certainly have had inquiries, in fact, from the Houston area. Someone, I think you said you're from that area. The Houston area to someone to work with that wants us to come down there. So uh, there's a there's a high demand for the service we provide, and the investors love it that they get passive income. So when they own a note, they own the note. We collect the payment. We make sure they get paid. We make sure they get their documents for taxes at the end of the year. We service the loan. In other words, they don't have to worry about collecting payments from anybody. We do all that for them. And, and part of their membership in the passive income network. And if something goes wrong, somebody quits paying their loan for some reason, we're going out trying to get that loan performing again. So that's where the passive income network comes from. So hopefully I didn't take too long on that story, trying to give you the overview. Well, uh, what's interesting is, um, so I love this idea of um, pivotal moments. And um, I think whether you like it or not, Pretty much everybody's gonna have pivotal moments. Um, you know, in the past you you can you could um you know depend on stability, but these days nothing's gonna protect you. So one thing that's talking about is um this idea of um uh you talked about performing notes and uh, why performing notes are great for retirement investments. Okay, so so let me give a couple things. So for the people who don't know the difference between performing and non-performing. Basically, a performing note means the person that has made the promise to pay, they're making their payments every month. So you're getting the, the payment coming in. 
There are non-performing notes where people quit paying and people who buy those, buy those for a different reason, not income. So we're talking basically about income because our investors, they want the income. The reason it's great for retirement accounts is because if someone misses a payment, doesn't make a payment, they get behind, you're not depending on that money to live on. You know, in, in fact, I've had investors come to us. I had one one lady. She said, "Look, I want to, I want to become an investor in your group, and and I have this much money." And she says, "That's where my income comes from." And I said, "Well, if you're depending on that money for income, this may not work for you because the risk involved in a, in a performing note is." People get in trouble. Things happen. Divorce, job losses, things like that. And they end up where they may not be able to make their payment for a few months. So with her, I said, if you're depending on that income, it probably is not for you. That's why it's great for retirement accounts. And you get a little higher return. And also there are special IRA custodians that allow you to invest in real estate in those types of markets. We have a lot of personal relationships with those custodians too. So we work closely. They know who we are. Yeah, really interesting. Um, and so kind of the next question is, um, you know, talk about, especially in this risk environment, and uh, you talked about, um, you know, you you service all the loans. What are the risks of being a private lender or owning promissory notes? And what do you do to mitigate those risks? Okay. So the number one risk of owning a performing note Number one is to borrow what's paid, so your money get, uh, doesn't come in. So how do you mitigate that risk? You mitigate it up front. Now, I'll use it with a couple of examples. So if you have a, a, a home, and we're talking about manufactured homes now, so I'm going to talk some smaller dollars. Let's say the home is worth $80,000, and the note you're holding on it is $75,000. Well, there's not a lot of equity margin in there. There's only 5,000 equity margin. So the number one is when people buy performing notes, a lot of people will sell their existing notes. They'll say, hey, the unpaid balance on this is X. So maybe the unpaid balance on that $80,000 home is 85000 That's not a good note to buy because you don't have any equity margin to protect you. So it's buy, buying the note right and buying it based on the value of the home. So if you if you have a note for 60,000 on a home that has a value of 80,000, now you got some equity margin in there. Another good thing that we do in in mitigating risk is make sure you qualify the borrower. Make sure the borrower has the ability to repay the loan. That's where we got in trouble back in 2008. You know, people were giving loans to people, uh, you know, if they could fog a mirror, literally, and people weren't able to make those payments. So when the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau came into effect and created what's called the Dodd-Frank clause, basically it says, hey, lender, you need to make sure before you do that loan that that person has the ability to repay. Ability to repay being income, stable job, and that their debts are too high. So those are the ways you mitigate their risk. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's all about counterparty risk and uh, essentially, you know, basically can the borrower repay? And that's why you have to 
go all through all these you know background income verification you know w all this stuff um mm -hmm. which is uh you know quite interesting the other question is um one thing is uh the the kind of next question is um how are you different from other manufactured home lenders and and actually i was actually curious why did you choose manufactured homes to finance let me ask, answer the, the second question first, why we chose manufactured homes. Again, going back to that 2016 timeframe where I was looking for a way to create our own product. Yeah. And it just happened. I bought my first note and then I found out there was there was a need in the market to be served. I think it's important. We didn't say, hey, we can make a lot of money by doing this. There was a market to be served. If you go at it like that, serve the market, serve your investors. You'll make your you'll make your money, you know? and, and that's why we we went into the manufacturing. It was a niche business that not a lot of people are involved in, to be honest. So, if you're going to go play, why go play in Lake Michigan when you can play in a small pond? Uh, that's why we chose that. What was the second question? I'm sorry. Yeah, the next question is, you know, how are you different than other manufactured home lenders? Okay, that yeah, that's a great question. We're very proud of that. There are large players in the business. I won't mention any of their names because it probably wouldn't be appropriate. But there are some large players that lend in personal property manufactured homes. What happens generally when someone comes in to do a loan with them, the first thing they're asking them is send me documents, send me all your, do your credit report and that. And a lot of times they'll get two, three, four weeks in that process and all of a sudden, the larger lender will say, oh, wow, your debt to income ratio is out of whack. I can't do anything. Uh -huh. So people get upset because they now have lost two to three weeks. And we hear this. We hear this from a lot of our borrowers. So number one that makes us different is we're small. We're in a small market. We answer our phones. All of our phones are answered live. We have a system to make sure that those calls are routed for someone to respond as quickly as possible. And when you're working with a loan officer, you can call that loan officer directly. And the big guys, it's literally, you just gotta call and get who you need and go through everything. So, so we're very personal. So uh, people like that. We've also developed a pre-qualification process, literally that the first conversation we have with someone in about 20 minutes, we can tell whether they're a good candidate for our program. And there's three things we look for. We talk to them, tell me about your income, what's your what's your job, what do you do? Now, now again, this is all verbal. We're going we're gonna to verify that later, uh, and we let them know that. And then second, uh, we say we want to make sure they have the down payment. Do you have down payment? Our minimum down payment is 10%. And third, we do a quick debt to income. Tell me about your debts. Tell me about your income. We do a quick calculation to see if they're close. If they can't pass those three, we're done. We're not wasting their time. We're not wasting our time. And when I say we're done, we treat people with respect and courtesy. We say, look, here's why we can't do it. Here's some things you may be able to do to correct that. We've had people come back to us two and three years later and said, you know, you turned me down the first time. But you helped me, and I just remember the way you treated me, and I, so I'm coming back to you. Uh -huh. uh, and then also for the most of our leads are referred to us by the communities themselves. 
And so if they've got a home for sale, they want to know real quick, is this person going to qualify or not? You know, so we can go back real quick. Sorry, they didn't pass our pre-fall. Move on to your next buyer. Literally, we can tell them that the next day, you know, yeah. which is they can't they don't have that with other lenders. And and that's why people like working with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things we can we can also approve um, self-employed, which a lot of the big lenders don't like it. If you don't have W-2, we have a way of verifying income through bank statements. And we can work with people who are uh, tax number IDs. They don't have a social security number. Uh, we have a lot of Hispanic here in Arizona. So that they're here, they have the right to work and they have a ITIN, which is basically so they can pay income taxes. So, Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, so kind of the next question is, um, so, I, you know, we have kind of, you know, two, three minutes. One thing I really enjoy is this idea of the pivot and kind of leave it on a, like a positive, inspiring note, because um, basically, you know, you fired the corporate world, you you know, and then basically you talk about letting go of your ego and reinventing, reinventing yourself. So a lot of people, you know, I think they're you know, after COVID, you know, a lot of people took the leap, but there's still some some people on the sidelines. So talk about kind of letting go of your pivoting, reinventing yourself um, and, you know, going all in. OK, I'll try to do that. Quickly, um, yeah, it was difficult for me because I was a little older, you know. So the older you are, I was in my early sixties. So, and and I had been a you know big time executive. So you know you got that little bit of ego going on. <laughs> when I started out in the business, people didn't care what I did. Well, I had a difficult time, and, and I guess the best way I can explain: if you're trying to go here but you're hanging on back here. It's hard to move forward. And I finally had to almost sever my arm to let go of my past so I could move forward and reinvent myself. And I hope that analogy sets with people because that's literally what I had to do. And I want to just say to people who are in my age group, you can do it. You can do it. I, I've done it. And I spent 37 years in corporate America. Um, I loved what I did. 95% of the time, I enjoyed what I did. I, I did some meaningful stuff. But I tell you what, 11 years as an entrepreneur, I'm better off financially than I was for 37 years in corporate America. And I'm helping a lot of other people make their financial future bright, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about uh, just like kind of people are just because they have their identity, their emotions, everything wrapped up in their income and their status and you know how much their net worth is and they have it wrapped up in their job and their career who they are and it's so hard to let all of that go it's i mean i think that's one of the hardest things um and then uh this what the other thing is every entrepreneur i've talked to said they've made more money as an entrepreneur than they did working for someone else so we need more entrepreneurs and how can people contact you follow you reach out to you check out your business etc I'll give you a phone number and a and a email, or do you want the website? Which which do you prefer? Phone number is 602-283-4813. Uh, my email is Tom P O M at passive income network dot org. Yeah. 
And for all the audience out there, let's thank Tom for coming on. And uh, it's never too late. You can always reinvent yourself. And um, again, it's all about the freedom and the ability. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Chris, thank you so much for having me. It's been very enjoyable. Thank you.